You're now listening to the Co-op Podcast on thecoalition.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Co-op Podcast, episode 213. I'm your host, Richard Billy Jr., and today I'm joined by Mr. Gary A. Swaby. How's it going, Gary? It's going very good, thanks. How are you, Rich? Doing pretty good, trying to stay cool in this uh, heat wave. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. We're also joined by Mr. Jake James Lugo. How's it going, Mr. Lugo? I'm doing good, Rich. Uh, I've been busy just uh, taking care of some stuff for the website and some cool stuff to to talk about that I've been kind of paying attention to. So I'm here. I'm ready to roll. Sounds good. Uh, also joined by Mr. Max Muller. How's it going, Max? Hey, Rich. How's it going? Happy to be back. Yes. Yes. Happy to have another. Happy have you on another show. Yes. Uh, also joined by Miss Dana Abercrombie. How's it going, Dana? Hello, it's going wonderful. Excited for everything that's happening over Comic-Con. Absolutely. We're definitely going to get into that also today. And we have a special guest this week, Mr. Andrew Benison. I hope I said I hope I got your name correctly. Just about, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yes, you're actually the uh managing director over at Prospect Games. I am indeed. The one and only. Awesome. awesome. Yes. So uh <laughs> Yes, glad to have you on the show. You're going to talk to us a little bit about uh, indie game development and, tr- and also the game that you're currently working on. Um, but uh, before we get into that, we're just going to have a quick discussion, talk about what we have been playing. So, um, Gary, what have you been playing this week? Um, not as much this week, but um, I've been playing Overwatch, of course, and um, I do have exciting personal news to report with overwatch um i made it to gold rank finally which is something i've been trying to do for a very long time in comp so yeah um i mentioned last week that i have um like a team that i've been playing with a team of people and we played a lot of comp this week and i finally made it to gold rank which was a long and hard grind because uh yeah you you can easily lose matches because some people don't want to change characters and um, you know, they throw the, the matches and everything like that. But yeah, I'm very proud of myself. Um, other people will probably be like, wow, it took you that long. Cause I know there's people out there who have hit platinum and diamond rank, but yeah, I'm proud of myself. So just wanted to report that. And, um, also been playing Persona 5. Um, I got kind of stuck, um, fighting, uh, Madarami, which is like the second major boss in the game. But um, today I managed to actually defeat him. So, yeah, I've made a bit of progress on Persona 5 as well. But that's pretty much all I've been playing this week. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get into the Destiny 2 beta, so I didn't get a chance to try that out. But, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just want to make a quick comment, Gary. You do know that the beta is open to everyone now, so you, you easily could have could have played on PlayStation 4. But I know you waited for PC, so, you know... They got you covered in yeah. August. Yeah, I did. Like, because it, it came open on the weekend, right? And I didn't have any time to, to get it this weekend. So, yeah, that's why. 
Oh, well, we understand that. Yes, fully understand that. Uh, so, Max, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Um, this week, not a whole lot, unfortunately. Um, pretty much the Destiny 2 beta and then fitting in Rocket League when I can. This week has been busy with a lot of real-life things. I've not been able to play many games, so which is kind of a shame. But um, as I'm sure you guys may have heard on the Destiny 2 podcast we did earlier this week, I enjoyed it a lot more than I didn't. It's My fears are mostly calmed about it just being like a Destiny 1.5. Like, obviously, it's still a bit too early to tell for sure, but the improvements that they've made in terms of story and the way that cutscenes are handled and that sort of stuff, I really enjoy so far. So we'll have to see, but I'm... I'm more than cautiously optimistic. I'm hopeful at this point, whereas beforehand I was pretty cautious about the game, but I am a lot more hopeful about it, and I'm excited to... I, I just hope they have another beta before release so that we can get a lot more information on the game because this was a pretty short beta. But um, other than that, not much. But yeah, looking forward to Destiny 2. Sounds good. Okay, uh, Mr. Lugo, how about you let us know what you've been playing? Uh, I've been pretty busy. I've been doing a bunch of different stuff. I was on the Destiny 2 beta discussion podcast with both you and Max. Uh, I got a chance to play that extensively. Uh, I also have been playing uh, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy because, again, I'm doing the guide for IGN, and I finished that recently uh, within the last few days. I actually also did uh, some stuff on the DLC level that came out, Stormy Ascent, which is that cut level that was in the original Crash Bandicoot on PlayStation 1, but it got cut at the last minute. It was never in the original release. So uh, Vicarious Visions completed it and actually released it for free on PlayStation Network for everybody to download. So I did some stuff with that. Uh, What I can't say on top of that, or before I even get to that, I should say I've also been playing a little bit of Overwatch here and there. Uh, I also been playing uh, some Tekken Seven. Been going back to Tekken Seven every once in a while. A uh, little bit annoying with the ranking and the online matchmaking because people have been getting very cute and very sneaky with uh, how they've been actually been handling the way that uh, rank matches have been going. Because people could just quit at the very last second on the win screen on the results screen and it'll mess up the match or mess up the connection and you won't get a rank up if you actually win the matchup. So I was pretty disappointed by that. That was not fun. Besides that, uh, what I can't say because it's actually the reviews coming up tomorrow. It's going to be going up uh, in the afternoon on the coalition. I'm reviewing Pyre uh, for, uh, what is it for the coalition? It's on PlayStation four. And I'll be able to talk more about that later this week, probably on the next episode of the co-op. So that's what I've been up to. Sounds good. And I have to address something because it appears as though we have been invaded. Uh, I believe that's Mr. Charles Singletary. How's it going, Charles? How you doing, guys? Just just popped in. Say hello. How you doing? <laughs> oh, we're doing pretty good. Yes, good to see you. So, <laughs> yes, Gary. I did use the Infinity Gauntlet to uh, sneak my way in here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the show, Charles. <laughs> Well, well, since you're here, Charles, why don't you let us know what you've been playing? Oh, man. Um, a lot of player unknowns Battlegrounds. I don't know if any of you are playing that uh, nowadays, but playing that a whole lot with a, a group of people pretty much every evening, like clockwork. Um, other than that, Gigantic uh, is on Steam now, so I've been playing that a lot. Um, yeah, just those two. Oh, Paragon as well. So, you know, some, some MOBAs and some competitive survival shooters and everything and and i finished shadow of mordor for the first time like i'd played it a long time ago but i finally jumped in there and i finished the the uh main story so that as well 
That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I have been playing that as well. I just decided to jump back into that. That's pretty much all I have been playing because I also haven't had much time to really play much this week. But yeah, some great games. I got to get into uh, this uh, Undergrounds game. Or Battlegrounds. Battlegrounds? Battlegrounds? Yes, man. You, you definitely should. It's stressful. You you may have some uh, rage quitting going down, but it's a, it's a lot of fun. Okay. I got to look into that. Okay, uh, Dana, let us know what you've been playing. Well, I've been, like, so busy with all of this Comic-Con stuff. Um, I was able to sneak in some Batman Arkham Knight just because I'm so frustrated with the Justice League trailer. I need my real Batman. So I just started replaying that again, and that's been fun. And um, I played a little bit of the Destiny 2 beta, but it's just been mainly Batman. Sounds good. Yeah, it sounds good. Okay, uh, Andrew, um, I definitely want you to tell us about your body of work, but I want you to first let us know if you've been playing anything uh, currently at the moment. Uh, in short, no. <laughs> so Sorry to ruin this section, but no, because um, I'm in front of a screen like 15 hours a day just making this game, and... Uh, yeah, what what time I have outside the office I use to try run or climb up walls or do anything that doesn't involve looking at a light. So, um, yeah, not really been playing much. Um, I, I guess games that I want to play, um, I play a lot of Nuclear Throne when I can. Uh, I know that's old as hell now, but I do like going back to Nuclear Throne because it's, it's dependable. You know, it's the game that keeps on giving. So if I had more time, I'd be playing that constantly, but I don't. That's cool. That's cool. And I know, and you didn't ruin the segment. I, I fully understand. You know, you're working on the game now. The focus has to be on making the products as good as it can be. So, feel free to give us a little bit of backstory, just on your body of work, and then uh, we can get into some indie indie development uh, stuff as well. Sure. Well, I'm the managing director of Prospect Games. We're an indie studio based in Manchester in the UK. And um, our flagship title is Unbox Newbie's Adventure, which is a 3D platformer about the ultimate postal service, self-delivering cardboard boxes. So you play as a cardboard box, you roll around giant worlds, uh, collecting uh, collectibles, taking part in challenges, fighting against big boss battles. Uh, and we also have this big split screen component. So there's uh, arena battling, uh, racing and delivery mode, uh, tournaments. Like we, we really tried to create something that's like a uh, a love letter to the, the 90s, the kind of games like Super Mario Kart and Banjo-Kazooie, like those sorts of games that we were playing growing up as kids. Uh, and that's really been, that's that's kind of been the last two and a half years of my life and is really the main thing that Prospect's done. Before that, we were, um, we tried a hand at mobile development and before that, we were just a modding group once we'd left uni. We were just trying anything to get our foot in the door in the, door in the industry. Uh, so Unbox is really the first kind of serious venture that we've uh, taken part in. Um, and yeah, it's taken us two and a half years to get it done, but we're, we're finally there. That's awesome, yes. So I know you mentioned that this is the uh, first game. I did want to ask you uh, if you could describe if you've had any, uh, you know, pitfalls as far as, you know, when you started to making this venture into this line of work, if you've had any, uh, any 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 uh, things that you've dealt with that you maybe can give advice to those that that might want to get into indie game development? Some some things to be aware of. Uh, if you had anything that you can talk about from that. 
Sure, I mean, if, if I went through everything, we'd be here for a, a good couple of days. Like the the amount <laughs> the amount of pitfalls that we've fallen into and then had to um, cl- claw our way back out of has been numerous, uh, and um, it's largely come from just naivety. There's been there's been a lot of things both within our control and out of our control that have happened to, to Prospect and, and the product and, and the team here. You know, we, we've been through some incredible moments and we've been through some diabolically dark moments. Uh, but I think it all it all comes from this being kind of our first time doing this um, and not being able to see those those pitfalls coming up. So I guess like my, my main advice to anybody else who wants to get into indie development is um, really to go in with a plan. Like you, you can't go in 100% prepared because if you're a, if you're running any kind of startup, you're stepping into something that you're you're definitely passionate about. Because anybody who starts you know does a startup app developer or game developer or whatever, it's like clearly you're passionate about that. But are you uh, incredibly knowledgeable about that? Chances are no, unless you're quitting an industry that you've been a part of for 10, 20 years. You know, if you're like the Platonic guys, you know, they were part of Rare and then they've um, quit their various businesses and set up a company. So they've gone into it much more well prepared. But most indie devs are, are young, sort of 15 and up bedroom developers. So you, the passion you'll definitely have, it's the knowledge that you probably won't have. Um, and the only thing that you can kind of safeguard against their lack of knowledge is is planning and keeping your scope really tight and trying to deliver things, um, I guess, in steps. So if you look at the first game Prospect made, uh, a mobile game called Bypass, and then look at Unbox, uh, the, the difference in size, quality, scope, ambition is gigantic. Bypass is a small mobile device in which you just move a triangle left and right and dodge blocks coming from the top of the screen and collect circles. So it's, it's kind of like Tetris, but also like you're flying a little mini spaceship. Very simple. To step up from that to Unbox, which is this gigantic multi-world, open-world uh, adventure with 10, 15 hours of gameplay and dozens of multiplayer maps and game modes and hundreds of cosmetics, a soundtrack that lasts almost two hours, uh, 40,000 words of dialogue, you know, and all done by five people, effectively. Like, that's such a huge step up that we, we made this about as hard as we could for ourselves. So if you're trying to get into indie development, don't do that. Like, it, it's kind of working out for us, but we've gone through absolute hell to get to this stage. So so definitely take things in steps. Um, don't, don't go for, like, the dream game to begin with, because you're probably not going to do it. And even if you do, you'll have some pretty hefty battle scars at the end of it. That's, I would say that that's some very, very good advice all across the board. Um, so remind us, uh, you guys have already have a release date. You said uh, later this year the game will be out and on which platforms? So, so yeah, we launched uh, Unbox on Steam last year. So it's been out on PC for about nine, ten months. Um, the Unbox Newbies Adventure, which is a, a, a better optimized, slightly more content-rich version of the game, is coming out on Xbox One and PlayStation 4 on uh, July 26th, so this coming uh, this coming Wednesday. And then with Switch, we're currently... Well, we're working our socks off to bring it to Switch as soon as possible. Uh, don't have a release date on that, but it should be sort of Q3, Q4 2017. Are there, like, difficulties with... Um producing the game on switch like do you face any other difficulties than you do with any of the other platforms uh i i, I don't know how much a few, i've had a few people asking this i honestly don't know how much i'm allowed to say because we sign all sorts of things with all the different platform holders what, what i would say is um again we made this about as hard as possible for ourselves porting in general 
So we were developing on PC for a good like eight, nine months before we got dev kits. And throughout that whole time period, it was like trying to get dev kits, talking to people at Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo, speaking to rep, saying, you know, showing them the game advancing and going, look, you know, this really should be on consoles because we're designing it as a console game. Um, and so when we got the kits and we got access to their documentation and all of the rules and uh, compliance procedures that we had to meet, uh, it, that hit us like a ton of bricks. We were supremely um, underprepared for just the porting process in general. So bringing it to consoles has been extremely difficult. Um, fortunately, I guess for the for the Switch port, because we've done a hell of a lot of work with PlayStation and Xbox, all that uh, development kind of helped uh, helped us port to Switch. One, because we knew more what we were we, what we were going to be in for. Because we only started porting to Switch a couple of months ago, like we started that way after the other platforms. Uh, but a lot of the work that we did to optimize the code to make it run on different platforms, like that just naturally crossed over to the Switch build as well. So it's, for, for the Nintendo, it's specifically, it's been uh, almost hassle-free for the last couple of months. But um, we overall, we've certainly had our challenges doing the porting. Um, and it's something that every indie dev experiences, and you can never prepare enough for how tough it is. It's It's ridiculously hard. Very interesting. Do you had any other questions, Gary? Yeah, um, you know, since you are from the UK as well, uh, I wanted to ask, like, is it do would you do you, would you say that it's um, more tough to make it as a UK developer than you know in the US? Because it seems like you know in the US they have uh, a more developed industry in terms of you know video games and everything. So like, is it much more of a challenge? to you know kind of form your own indie studio in the uk do you think i don't know um i've only been to the, the last american event i went to and i've not been to many but it was pax uh, east in march in fact that's where i met max um uh, yeah and uh comparing kind of comparing the industry there to events like you know you'll experience like egx and res and whatnot there's, it, it definitely feels larger i mean again america's all about go big or go home like you do everything larger than us but um, in terms of opportunities, I'd say it's pretty well balanced. I mean, you know, you've got Sony of America, but you've also got Sony Europe, and they're based in Soho. Um, you know, same with Nintendo, same with Microsoft. They all have large presences in the UK. And then in the publisher sphere, um, you know, yeah, I'd say probably some of the more prolific indie publishers are in America, but then companies like Devolver, you know, half of their guys are from the UK, um, one of their guys is from Texas. So it's. Honestly, I've never really had a problem networking and getting in contact with the right people, whether it's uh, press coverage from the likes of Kotaku or Eurogamer or contacting publishers like Devolver or Tiny Build or getting in contact with the platform holders like Nintendo. Um, it, it's fairly evenly spread, and I'd say the, the US and um, the UK are, are pretty well. Like we're, we're, We have quite a lot of advantages. Like We get the best events. We have a lot of the, the studios based like in our countries. Um, and of course, we speak the same language, so I think it just makes it easier than, say, our, our European or um, like Australian brethren who are kind of much more further afield. Uh, that's cool. That's good to know. I'm, I'm glad it's like balanced because um, I know I've been like I've been attending um, events for like the past eight years, and um, it seemed like there wasn't much going on when I first started, you know, um, covering games and stuff. There wasn't as many events and uh, the Eurogamer Expo was just sort of like kicking off um, around that time. But now it seems like, you know, 
things, like you said, are pretty much balanced, which is good. good oh, to hear. totally. Like, like, like I, I did, um, I did Rezd first, first like proper UK event I did was Rezd twenty thirteen, and it was tiny. Like it was compared to what like Rezd has become now and in EGX now, it's you know easily quadrupled in size. I don't know if you've been to any of the MCMs, but like MCM London is gargantuan yeah. it's still not as big as something like pax east i mean that was a hundred thousand people in a single room i've never seen anything like that in my life that completely blew my head off but you know we're certainly catching up and we've, we've got the event space and we've got the kind of buzz um to draw in the crowd so it i think it's as it, it's what you make of it like if you get out there and you try to talk to these people like they will respond uh, and you know i think it Whenever devs have troubles, it, it, I think it comes down more to like their inability to network and communicate. Like it's generally not a thing developers are that good with. Um, but that that shouldn't mean that just because you're in a location that's not not got a lot of development. I mean, like we're based in Eccles in Manchester, and there's you know there's nothing going on here games development wise. So we always have to travel a couple of hours in order to speak to the right people or do a Skype conversation like this in different time zones. But you know it it's. You'll get the contacts and you'll make progress in the industry as much as like the effort that you put into it. Okay, cool. So, so do you go to like all the MCMs as well, like all the different Comic Cons, and like I think they have one in uh, Birmingham and Manchester, I think as well, and London. Um, do you go to all of them? Uh, not all of them. I try to be pretty tactical. With, with Unbox, we kind of went all out. So over a year and a half of the original development for the Steam launch we did 25 plus events. So it was like two events a month, which is nuts like that. And I was at every single one of them. Um, and that, that was from everywhere from San Fran to New York, London, Birmingham, Manchester, all over wow. the show. Um, I, and I, you know, some of that was worth it. Some of it wasn't like, cause all of it costs. Um, even, even, you know, some events will pay for you to be there, but it still costs you to like, you know, travel down or whatever, or get a hotel. Um, so you've got to be really tactical with the events that you get to. You can't just shotgun blast them all. It comes down to what you need. Like if I'm going to the Games Industry Summit, it's because I'm going there to raise money. But if I'm going to MCM, it's like, well, hopefully I have a space in the game spot. If I don't, well, I'm not going to be meeting investors there. I'm not going to be meeting publishers there. Might be meeting some journalists, but, you know, what would be the point? So unless I'm about to release a product. So I, I, I now, I guess I did a lot of events over the past two years and going forwards, and I recommend this to other indie devs is only go to the ones that make commercial sense to you. Like if there's a, if you have an objective to achieve at that event, sure, go for it. If it commercially makes sense, if it doesn't, uh, maybe just save it for like a, a phone call down the line. If you want to meet somebody, but it's going to cost you two grand to get there. Could you just Skype call them sometime, you know, save yourself a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. I get you. Um, yeah, I was looking up the game on on Steam. It looks really good. I'm adding it to my w wish list right now, actually. Awesome, thank so, you. Yeah. We'll, we'll be we'll, we'll be pushing out all all that content. Will be going out on Steam for free as well. The, the 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 newbies adventure part of it. So the name will change, but if you've already got the game, that stuff will go up. And if you buy the game after July 26th, it will include all of that content. Excellent. I think Max was going to say something. Yeah, I think Max had something about to say. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys, um, so compared to when you started in the indie scene and when you guys started making games, 
Um, how would you say that it's grown since you guys have started? Would you say it's grown for better or for worse? And like, what sort of, what were your guys' like biggest struggles sort of starting out in like the indie scene and all that sort of stuff? Uh, I think it's, I guess it's not as simple as like a, a binary, like, yeah, it's grown or not. Like some things have improved and some things have worsened and, and some of those things are like the same thing. So um, there's definitely more, uh, there's definitely more indie titles. Like that's obvious to anybody. There's just way more independent developers uh, publishing games. Uh, the the software over the past two years has become a hell of a lot more accessible. I mean, it already was come like 2014, 2015, but um, now that you can basically, you know, you can get Unreal for quote unquote free as a revenue share deal. But all the other engines have followed um, in their footsteps. They they all offer certain packages and deals. Um, same with third party software. Uh, internet speeds are increasing, which makes it easier to work with people further afield. Um, our office now is fiber. You know, it's a big problem in the UK. I don't know how much of a problem it is in the US, but in the UK, we've had awful internet speeds for um, for a very long time. Uh, we, we're further behind than pretty much any other Western nation. And that's been changing quite a bit, and that's helped working with people further afield. So in terms of the ability to work with people and the amount of content being produced, yep, that's increased. But is that... Is that increase in content a good thing? Uh, not necessarily because we're up against a lot more competitors. Like January alone of this year, there were 700 games that came out on Steam. I guarantee most of those were indie titles, and I guarantee most of them made absolutely no money. Um, you know, the number of indie developers who can get to game two and game three is incredibly slim. Uh, you know, we're still basically on game one, so we might not be one of those uh, fortunate developers. So it, it's it's become way more saturated. It's become way harder to get attention. Um, I think one of the main things that propelled indie games was the rise of the, the YouTuber and the streamer. And that world has changed massively. So, you know, two, three, four, five years ago, you could contact indie dev, uh, uh, streamers as an indie dev, send them your game, you know, get coverage. Uh, it was kind of a reciprocal thing. You know, I'm giving you content to stream uh, on your channel, you in return are kind of, you know, giving me views and sending people my way. It's become a lot more of a well-oiled machine now, and a lot of it is kind of financially driven. So to get access to bigger channels, there is a there's a paywall that you've got to get through, uh, or they're just not going to talk to you. And that completely makes sense. I'm not I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I mean, they have a, a portal to uh, millions to tens of millions of views uh, viewers who could be translated into sales for yourself. Um, they have value uh, as big content creators with these big channels, so it kind of makes sense for them to be charging. But if you're an indie developer, do you have $50,000 to pay for one video or a couple of videos? Probably not. So it's become a lot harder <laughs> to get. It's, it's become a lot harder to get coverage um, and coverage that really matters. Um, you know, because the, the, the conversion rate on this stuff. Like if you have a video from a popular YouTuber and it gets a million hits you could expect a conversion rate of like 0.2 to maybe 0.5% of those views becoming sales. So it may be a couple of thousand, you know, five, 10,000 would be amazing, but it probably isn't going to happen. The conversion rate's awful. So even a game that might get, like like Unbox, for example, when we came out on Steam, we got something like three, four million views within a couple of months. That only translated to a couple of thousand sales. Um, and you would think, um, that it would translate to more. You'd think, uh, oh, that game's yeah, just, definitely. you know, t 10 million people have looked at that game. Oh, they, mu they must have just shifted like half a million units. No, not at all. Um, it just doesn't work like that. Uh, unless you're an extreme breakout success, 
Uh, and I know obviously those come around once in a blue moon, you know, your Minecrafts. So it, it's become extremely hard to do that. Uh, I'd say publishers as well have become a lot more risk averse to indie developers that you may have, I don't know, you may notice that a lot of indie publishers, their portfolios have been shrinking each year. Um, a publisher that might have had, you know, 15, 20 games a year might now only have five, 10 or, you know, less than five. And it's because most indie games are not making money. Um, for every game that you fund development on, you've also got to fund the marketing budget. It's probably not going to make a return. And so they're trying to focus on really high quality titles that kind of speak to that brand's image. So like when you see a Devolver game, you know it's a Devolver game. You know that even if it's, you know, a funny game point and click about clowns or it's about, um, you know, gladiators getting their head smashed in or whatever. It's like there is a thing that ties all of those those, those products together. So publishing has, again, become a much more well-oiled machine. It, it's become a lot easier to talk to these guys and know what they want and what they're looking for. Um, in terms of them actually giving you cash, I think the chances of that has decreased massively, unless you've got something really special. So uh, I, I kind of phrase this as to round it off, um, like the indie gold rush has kind of ended. It, it started with open access software like Unity and Unreal, um, Xbox Live Arcade, that kind of stuff. Uh, it was massively bolstered by the rise of YouTuber and streamer because that was basically free marketing, which freed us from needing journalists. It freed us from needing adverts on the sides of buses. Um, so basically, our engines, marketing, uh, development, all of it was cheap and it was much easier to get your game out there. Uh, and we had the backing of huge names, you know, like Sony with strategic content and Xbox Live Arcade, like indie was the new hot thing. That's all over. Like that gold rush is now petering out. There's nothing really new right now. It, sorry, mobile as well. That was a huge thing. Mobile propelled hundreds of indie devs to success. That's all kind of standardized and become saturated. There's no new technology. There's no new software. There's no new route to market really um, for indies to latch onto. So the gold rush is kind of over. And it's now about, well, how can you be a sustainable developer, not just an indie developer? How can you just be sustainable? Well, it sounds like wow. everything you said, like it makes it sound like really rough and daunting. So I got to admire your dedication and your passion to, to keep going. And I wanted to ask as well, like you said, Steam is saturated. And of course, you know, um, PlayStation Network and Xbox Live, they're fairly, you know, um, they're fairly saturated, but probably not as much as Steam. But would you say that uh, once you manage to get onto the Nintendo Switch, that that might be something that gets your game to stand out because it's a smaller marketplace at the moment? I, I definitely think so. And it's um, it's why we've been pushing so hard to, to get it on Switch as soon as possible. It, I kind of view that as like the only fertile land at the moment. So Steam, Xbox, PlayStation, they're all platforms you can make money on. But they're, they're all kind of... They're in the middle of their lifespans, uh, and that means they're not looking for like super exciting content. They're just looking for stuff to keep them going, to keep the machine working. Whereas the Switch is, and Nintendo are in a really interesting position where they've got a piece of hardware that is absolutely like the hot item for this year, and probably will be for the next couple of years. Um, so hardware-wise, it's selling absolutely phenomenal, phenomenally well. And they have a content problem. There's no content on it. Uh, once you've played your 50, 60 hours of Breath of the Wild and maybe played Mario Kart again with your mates, there's not a whole lot of content there. There's a hell of a lot of developers trying to get onto the platform. And so I kind of envision a mini rush. 
and possibly a long-term exodus to the Switch because the, the Nintendo kind of uh, ethos at the moment has been extremely indie friendly and I think it's because they have a content problem and they knew they were going to have a content problem from way before the platform launched uh, because uh, a lot of the big names you know they all got burnt with the Wii U and if you look at if you looked at how companies like Activision and EA and everyone's talking about the Switch running up to launch it was oh you know we're you know optimistic but you know kind of cautiously optimistic and that it shows that none of, no one was willing to put major IPs front and center on the Switch launch because they wanted to see how it could go. And the, the buzz, I mean, uh, when I met Max at, um, at PAX, I think we talked a bit about this, that there was this, there was so much chatter because that, that was a couple of days before the Switch came out and it was split right down the middle. Um, everyone I was speaking to, indie developers, publishers, half of them were going, Nintendo's done, half of them were going, Nintendo is going to bring about a new renaissance. It's going to be the bee's knees. I was one of those people. I was completely behind this thing, absolutely knocking out of the park. But there was a lot of people split. Now everyone's going, oh, wow, yeah, I've got to go on Switch. All the naysayers are going, oh, isn't it, isn't it great? Yeah, we should get content on it. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's going to be a big rush towards the platform. Uh, and it's just about how quickly can you get your foot in the door. And right now I'd say we're in the lead uh, against 95% of our competitors which is awesome, um, and I, I hope we can get it on before the before that rush really hits. Because yeah, that helps us stand out massively. Wow, that's fascinating insight, <laughs> especially about like the conversion rates and everything like that in terms of YouTubers. I had no idea that that was the case. I would have expected it to be so much more. But yeah, that's kind of my anecdotal metrics, but I've not seen any evidence. I mean, it's, it's hard to prove this stuff as well. It's, it's hard to show, yep, a million yeah. views converts into X number of sales. But I've done this for like two years, just look, just adding up from kind of quote-unquote important channels. So if you've got sort of a couple of, you know, 10,000 and up, if you add in the first week or two those channels' views up um, uh, and then look at like Steam Spy and kind of roughly correlate, okay, how many sales have they got? You can see that the conversion's awful, and I've spoken to a lot of you uh, uh, developers as well who have had their games get, you know, millions of hits. And to be fair, we experienced it as well. We had Dan CDM, Yogscast, and a whole bunch of other channels give us millions upon millions of views, and it it did not convert to tens of thousands of sales. Not immediately. We've we've had a very nice steady stream of uh, of sales over the past uh, year, steadier than I was uh, expecting, uh, and so we've actually gone over our, our estimates, but. It's very obvious that if in the past those conversion rates were really high, that it's definitely petered off and it's it's not great now. But that, that, that's not saying it's bad. I mean, if we end up getting a million views from a single video, great, because that is somebody out of that out of that crowd will buy our game. So that's awesome. Damn, that's absolutely insane. Yeah, it is, man. That's a lot. So definitely a lot of a lot of things that I think you go through uh, at, with like in, indie development, especially because you know just a lot of a lot on you to have to deal with. But you know, hey, we we definitely will do our part and spread the word on the game, um, and yeah, just make sure more people are aware of what you guys are working on. I also definitely hope that the Switch thing, the Switch venture, does work out. Um, because yeah, I, I think the, the the devices is getting a lot a lot of attention now for all the right reasons. Uh, well, the online is another issue I'm not going to go into. 
But uh, yeah, I just hope that everything <laughs> does work out with the Switch because I mean, I, yeah, and that you guys are able to benefit from the success of it because I have seen a lot of indie games coming over to Switch, so definitely hope that your game does stand out and, and does get the attention it deserves. Yeah, thanks, definitely. man. And I, I think the fact that like we're going to be at the um, on the Nintendo Gamescom booth uh, in the middle of August, and so I think the fact that because we've got a very Nintendo-looking game, and Nintendo took an interest in it pretty early on, that we have a good shot of being able to not only stand out above the rest of indie devs just because we're going to be one of the only games on the platform, uh, but also having Nintendo behind us saying, like, yep, yeah, we want to push this title, we want to see it succeed. You know, it, it's the best shot in the world that we've got, so we'll take it, and we've just got to see how it plays out. Uh, that's great to hear that you've got... Uh... You're, that you're going to be at Nintendo's booth at Gamescom. Like, I'm sure you'll get a lot of eyeballs with that. And um, before we move on as well, I just wanted to say, I'm sure you've opened up a lot of eyes of people who, you know, have considered indie game development and who are already indie game developers or working on something or working on ideas. Like, I, I feel like you've dropped a lot of insight that's going to help a lot of people. Well, yeah, I hope, hopefully that's helped. Um, I often feel like I'm just rambling about nonsense because I, I honestly, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just I'm just talking about things from my my perspective, having done this now for um, a couple of years. I, I think anybody who wants to get into indie development now, um, you can't, they're very brave because, you know, it's there's a lot of people currently trying to get out of it uh, and I don't blame them. So trying to get into this stuff right now, like just so long as you've got a plan um, and you, you're, you have a skill set, like you're actually good at this stuff. That's the best shot that you can have. You know, good luck to you. Well, hey man, your experience is still experience. Like, it's it's its own story. You know, that's absolutely insane. And like you were saying earlier, you guys seem to be a bit luckier in terms of most indie developers. So that's really really cool to like hear your side of things and your insight on it all. Yeah, I think I think it's really easy. Like. Like I said, we, we've been through a lot in the past two years, and I think it's very easy to get kind of downtrodden and go oh, and feel doom and gloom. But it's like, well, actually, yeah, we're extraordinarily lucky. Like for every bad thing that's happened to us, something better has happened to us afterwards. Because if it didn't, we wouldn't be here. Uh, and a lot of that is about making your own. Like I always think, you know, like you do make your own luck. Like lucky things don't just happen. And, you know, it's something comes along and saves you Definitely. because you put in the work and, and the team here. Um, again, I, I've, I've barely had a hand in really making the game. I did a lot at the start of development. It, it's been the team who have um, just absolutely grafted the hell out of this uh, and got us to a point where, taking us from a, a game where it was just a box rolling around a room to having what we have now. Um, and if they'd not kept doing that, I don't think people would have believed in the product enough to help us when we really needed them to. Um, so, again, it's it's really... it's it, We have been very lucky, I think... Um, I think it, it comes down to the team just working as hard as they have, but it, it also comes down to the fact that there's so much shit that you can't prepare for. Like, the, there's been stuff that's happened to us, and, and, other, and like, a, we have a lot of developer friends, and some of the stuff that's happened to them is just so stunningly unfair. That you're like, wow, like, you know, who up in the who up in heaven did they piss off to incur such wrath? Because it's just, just some stuff's just completely unfair. But a lot of those guys turn the situation around us because they just graft the hell out of it. So, um, you know, no matter what, there's indie devs who will make, who are going to make money. Like a lot of people talk about this indie apocalypse stuff and say like, oh, it's the end. It's, you know, no one's going to make any money out anymore and it's, we're all, we're all dead. And it's like, eh, 
I don't think that's the case. I think it's just things have gotten harder than they used to be, but it's always been blisteringly hard doing this. So, you know, it's just another day. Yeah, I would I would say that it's, I don't necessarily want to say evened out, but like, I feel like, yeah, the uphill, uh, like the trend of indie games being like as unique and popular as they once were is definitely evened out and like flattened up since there's so many, like you were saying, like you go on Steam, there's a bunch of new games almost every single day. So it's a lot more to stand out and make sure that your game stands out among like not the trash, but the the rest of the stuff. You know, no, you, you can say it. There's a lot of trash there. <laughs> <laughs> there, there definitely is. is, but there's definitely a lot of um, there's a lot of good stuff out there as well too. And some of the good stuff doesn't get revealed very well either. Yeah, and, and th- this industry, and I'm, I'm like I know that you you'll experience this because you've been to like packs and stuff. Like everyone's happy. Like you ask someone, yeah. how's it going? It's going great. Yeah, yeah. We're, go- we're doing awesome. We've got a game it's coming out. You know, nothing's gone wrong. Everyone, <laughs> everyone paints everything as this like super rosy picture. And you, you kind of got to from a marketing perspective. The reality exactly. is behind the scenes, everyone's screaming and going, I don't know what's happening next. I'd, should we release on Switch? No, it, it's probably going to fail. Oh, if it, but my company's about to die. Oh, and my you know, lead designers just quit, and you know, ev- everyone's having constant nightmarish level issues. So I've, I'm an insane amount of respect for any developer who's been doing this for like five plus years, because just the amount of, just the amount of hassle, just day to day stuff that you've got to put up with, um, the amount that you've got to play the game just to stay, keep your head above the water and stay alive, like it's crazy. And and then people think like the big success stories, like oh they have it easy, and it's like no, they have it even harder. Like well, once you're successful in this, once you've made a bit of money, like all eyes are on you, and and people are going to expect more from you. In you know gamers are a very passionate bunch. You look at how fans react to like maybe a sequel that doesn't do as well, or like a game that gets delayed. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And you you get you get you can get shredded by the very people who you are. Um, you know, trying to provide content for, and that can be, I mean, I've not really experienced that too much ourselves. We've had negative reviews on Steam, but, you know, we've not had somebody go, I've been a diehard fan of yours for 10 years, and I despise you because this patch made my day bad. It's like, that must be rough. Like, it must be super rough to deal with that. So I, I have um, huge respect for anyone who just who is able to keep doing this and make it sustainable and stay positive because it's one of the most non-positive environments I've ever existed in. I mean, I love it. I mean, I'm not, not trying to be too negative about this stuff, but it's, um, yeah, it's crazy how people are able to keep going. Yeah. I, I think the, the thing that really opened that sort of stuff up to me was indie game, the movie, like without question, like that painted the picture to be so difficult for any development indie developers and those were like uber successful games and they still went through so much hell just to get them out there it's it's really fascinating stuff well that i think that the point where he was uh where phil fish was um going, talking about the the contractual just dispute i guess they had over ip ownership of of um fez i mean we've certainly had our experiences with that um I've, i know a lot of developers like the, the legal stuff you never hear about that's a, that, yeah, i found yeah, that definitely. i thought that was super odd that um, he even put that out on film um, just just because that could have affected things massively. I, I guess because it was broadcast way after the deal was signed. But, you know, usually you have things where you're not allowed to talk, you know, like non-disclosure, where you can't even talk about this kind of stuff. Everybody I know has had, like, pretty major legal disputes, IP disputes, like really crazy things happen. 
And so it's not just that you're trying to make a game and you're trying to market it and you're trying to keep your fans happy and you're trying to make any amount of money just to survive. You probably have some kind of massive legal dispute going on with a disgruntled employee or IP ownership or a dispute with your publisher. Like there'll be something happening behind the scenes that you can't see uh, as a consumer. Uh, and and it, I think it, it adds to that frustration consumers have about games development. They go, why is this game taking so long? Or like, you know, why does this game suck? Like, why did the why did this patch not fix all the things I wanted to do? Why won't they fix this thing? And it's like, it's because the guys behind the scene are fighting 25 fires. They've got enough water for 10. Unfortunately, they can't deal with the, the fire that, that you want putting out. And they can't even talk about why. They can't even give you a satisfactory answer. And so all you can do is just get frustrated and go, oh, that sucks. Why won't they fix it? And it's like, they can't even tell you why they can't fix it, let alone fix it. Damn. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely insane. I had no idea that there were so many uh, IP struggles and stuff like that. That's that's fascinating. That really is. There was a game I saw. I, it's just dropped out of my head what the name is um, that, that's come out. It's the, um, yeah, this uh, daddy... Um, Daddy Datingson, Dream Daddy from uh, the Game Grumps guys. Oh, the Game Grumps? Yeah. Yeah, and everyone absolutely losing their minds over it being delayed by a couple of days. Um, and the comments said, you know, telling them, like, you should have planned this better and you should, you know, how can you run a company like this? And again, it's just like, that must cut so, like, to be a dev on the other side, because you have no idea what they must be going through. Like, if you've never launched a, a product before not just games if you've never launched something you can't possibly know how stressful it is um trying to coordinate every single thread the marketing the platform holders your own developers day one patches uh embargoes on reviews making sure people aren't talking about it before they should you know there's so much to keep on top of on uh and stuff comes out of nowhere like a lot like we we have a we have a bug right now uh in the game i think it's been fixed but we have a bug that um, it's a draw distance bug. So sometimes, so when when trees are really far away, they'll pop out of existence because they're really far away. There's this bug that sometimes does the reverse. When you get close to a tree, it makes it disappear. We fixed the bug, but we've read it on the on the UE4 th- uh, forums that sometimes the bug can just pop right back up. Like your fix will basically be undone. No one has an explanation for it. There will be, but no one knows it yet. And all of a sudden, like your build will suddenly have trees popping out when you're right next to them and it looks awful. What happens if that happens to you? If the build that you submit, you didn't test everything because you've got a massive game that you've got to run through. And there's a part of the game where it's doing that. And now that goes out. And now you've got a day one patch to do. But there's a delay for some reason. And now you've got to delay the game. Except, you know, there's a knock-on effect that suddenly everything can be fine one second. And then one tiny problem, like trees aren't culling properly, flips everything on its head. And now because of that, and you can't talk really about any of this stuff to the to the consumer because you're under NDA with Unreal or PlayStation or whoever whoever's involved in the problem. And you've got consumers telling you that like you're the scum of the earth and oh you've ruined my day and oh you you know I pre-ordered this I'm going to cancel I'm going to tell you know because you see these comments all the time and these these green daddy guys they delayed the game by like three or four days and just the you know. I was on Xbox, I played Xbox Live for like 10 years, so like nothing upsets me. I've been called absolutely everything, and I've probably called other people absolutely everything. I'm very much, i got a very thick skin. Um, despite that, I, I still have a, a, a shred of empathy, and when I see people getting treated like that, when I know how much effort they've put in, I know that they're, they're doing 20-hour days, and they're doing everything in their power to keep every single one of these threads you know, in line, uh, to then have your core fan base basically, you know, call you scum, like, 
how do you keep going? <laughs> how do you how do you keep your head up and keep? I've not experienced it, so I don't know. Um, I I just don't know how you deal with that. It must be horrible. Yeah, it's so it's always the negative comments that hit the hardest. You know, for like every twenty five positive comments, that's the one negative that stands out and affects you the most. Especially when it's like it, when it, it when it gets personal, it's like you shouldn't be running a company. Yeah, you've done this. You've you know, it, it's always biting. It always cuts straight to the yeah. soul. Like those people need to chill. Like it's really it's really ridiculous how mad some people get over some things that happen in gaming. It really makes no sense to me sometimes. I will never understand it. I can I can get it from like from a consumer standpoint. I'm very like I'm very consumer focused. I like the the customer to be happy. You know, the whole reason I'm doing this is to build things for customers. And so my ultimate goal is yeah. to make sure that they're happy. So I understand, like, you know, you might have taken the day off uh, to play this game. Yeah. So I can get getting angry. And I think, but I think at the same time, uh, consumers, especially, well, maybe not necessarily, especially in games, but definitely there's a lot of gamers that, um, you know, are huge gaming fans. It's their life, but they don't have any understanding of the process of making games. And I think if they learned just a little bit, if they if they dug into and spoke to developers or just learned a little bit more about the world that we live in, you'd understand that like, we're just as pissed that we're delaying the game by three days as you. In fact, we're way more pissed and it's probably because something catastrophic has gone wrong. And if we were to release the game now, you'd be more pissed off than you are now because you'd, you'd be playing something that would be broke. It would be complete crap. So like, Everything we do as developers is for the consumer. Like we're doing everything to deliver a product to you. We ne we never, or we very rarely. I mean, I guess there are instances of developers, you know, kind of going off in the deep end. But it's very rare for a, a business or a developer to intentionally, like, spitefully do something to the consumer base because that's that that would be the death of your your business. So why do that? Um, so I, I think just a little a little empathy both ways. Like I get why consumers get really really annoyed when things don't go their way especially when they've pre-ordered or they're about to put money on the table or they book time off. At the same time, it's like, please understand, like, you know, it, it's there's a lot going on behind the scenes with, with any creative uh, product um, and just a bit of appreciation of, like, what goes into making a game would help. And I think it would make people a bit more empathetic as to why these things happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, I totally understand that, like, they, um, to, like, getting sad and kind of angry over it. I just feel like they take it too far sometimes. It's really like when you were saying like um, they're they're doing like personal attacks on you and stuff. It's like all right, chill. Like come on, there's obviously more going on than just they're not doing this to piss you off, you know. Yeah, the, I think uh, the personal attacks that that's way too far. Uh, we've seen a lot of that with a lot of games recently. It's it's still it's ongoing, but uh, uh, I'm very glad that you brought up the the, the the this particular discussion because I wanted to use this. And segue to the next topic because uh, it is a question I have for pretty much everybody on this panel. And Andrew, you can answer this question as well. Now, we received news this week that uh, Aaron Flynn over at BioWare is leaving the company after 17 years, and that Casey Hudson is now taking over as the GM. Now, the question I had in terms of segue do you think that this move was done as a response to? how Mass Effect Andromeda was received? Or do you think that this is just business as usual and this is just a normal move where somebody, after they spent a lot of time at a studio, they just want to take a break and and leave, or is there more to it? Uh, 
I guess the, from my experience with this stuff, yeah, there's there's definitely more to it, and it's usually like it, it's usually extremely political. Um, people exiting and re-entering companies, um, especially when it's switcheroos like this, like there's usually huge things happening behind the scenes. Like pe- people who are instrumental in in building things. Like if if you run a company or you lead a project, if if you command a lot of uh, uh, people, you're, you're probably really good at communicating, networking, and building up like a power base. And so very much like politics um there'll be a lot of a lot of different interested parties who want certain people doing certain things so i couldn't possibly comment on like what's actually happening here but it's definitely not going to be some kind of straightforward answer like you know the public was angry at this game so we're bringing this guy back in and he's gone yep and the other guy's moving out he's gone yeah we, you should you should do this job because you'd be better at it like the, the answer will be stunningly complex and it will be made up of dozens to hundreds of different people's self-interest all sort of converging on we need this guy in this position for whatever reason i like that answer that's a very good answer so uh max and uh gary you know i know you guys are huge mass effect fans uh so what do you think we're we're huge mass effect fans whoa whoa we're (laughs) (laughs) um oh sounds a little rough there buddy (laughs) (laughs) um I don't, that's, it's very interesting to me because I know that also part of it was that, or part of the reason Andromeda is the way it is, is because I know that a lot of the main team was working on Anthem, so they can't entirely be blamed for this. So I wonder how much the Casey Hudson and Aaron Flynn thing has to do with that specific side of things. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I know, um, I think they were really kind of banking on uh, Mass Effect Andromeda being, you know, good and being well received and everything um and i know that the the guy that's leaving um he's in charge of he was like the lead director for anthem so i'm wondering if you know there's anything um internally like internal conflicts where you know maybe he was he needed a lot more resources for anthem or something and that kind of crippled andromeda or something like it could be a lot of internal politics (laughs) i think but um I am glad that Casey Hudson is back, but it's kind of weird because he he completely left the company, right? Like completely. Yeah. No, that's the thing. This is just out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's kind of weird that now he's you know coming back, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. and like he gave I, a pretty vague reasoning as to why. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It was pretty vague. Well, yeah. He just said he needed a break, right? This, uh he had to take a break. So that, three that means. That means that there's more going on. There's no, <laughs> yeah. There's ab- there is so much stuff happening behind the scenes that there is no. Yeah, I just decided I just leave this business and then come back at a critical point in its uh, development. Yeah, sure. No, like there's huge stuff going on there, but what's going on? Like we'll never hear. And again, it's probably because legally no one's allowed to talk about it. Yeah. Very good point. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Singletary, you have any thoughts on this particular topic? Not so much. Uh, I haven't followed Bioware very, very closely. Uh, I kind of just laughed off the whole thing with Andromeda being kind of a um, shit show. <laughs> but uh, and I'm a fan of the original uh, trilogy. Not so much the third one uh, as much as the first and second. But I hoped that Andromeda would be a really good game, and I'm still gonna play it eventually. At this 
I'll get you like, like 10 20 dollars or something like that um is the, is the headset still cutting out or are we good yeah it's cutting like in and out a little bit we can still hear what you're saying though okay that's that's weird i'll switch over to mic uh before the next part but um a different mic but yeah um anthem i'm really looking forward to that looks really awesome i hope it does not stink but you know, with, with the moves behind the scenes, uh, I think somebody said it. it's kind of we, we don't know exactly what's going on with that, and we just we just gotta hope for the best, you know. Absolutely, yes, we definitely gotta hope for the best. Uh, so, Dana, do you have any thoughts on this? I, you know, I don't know if you are a Mass Effect fan, so you may not care about this, but I definitely want to. No, I am, and I'm, I'm was one of those people who just looked at people, you know, weird when they tried to change the ending. <laughs> like what because i'm Same. from the period where you had that game you had bugs you had a screwy ending and that's it we didn't have patches we didn't have fixes we didn't have anything to protest against because there was nothing there wasn't going to change anything so um i'm going to remain on a positive note and see how this goes and hopefully there won't be any type of complaining going on for, for the future and they won't give in to fans Oh well, well, we'll we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, um, <laughs> we'll see. But uh, that is, of course, again on the negative side of things. Uh, one last thing I will ask about this topic now: Do you what do you do you think that uh, with Casey Hudson coming back, you, is your faith somewhat restored? That uh, Bioware is actually going to continue to make good stuff now. Now that he is back in the fold, do you think that he's going to bring back? any of the other franchises that they had or were working on? Or do you just uh, want to take a wait-and-see approach? Yeah, I'm going to be taking a wait-and-see approach um, like because I, I, I don't feel like they should touch Ma- Mass Effect for a while unless they're going to go like 100%, you know, uh, balls deep on it and, you know, like get the, the original team on it and everyone, you know, involved and, you know, put a lot of time and attention and focus on it. I don't think they should, you know, touch that at the moment. Um, obviously, they have Anthem coming, so we need to see, you know, more of that and what what that's going to be like once it comes out. And what I am worried about is Dragon Age because that's one of my like favorite RPG series of all time. Even though Charles is giving me a funny look right now, I don't care. Like that's one of my, <laughs> my favorite my favorite IPs from Bioware. So I hope that they don't mess that up. I hope that they, you know. If they're making, I think they are working on another Dragon Age. So I hope that comes out, and I hope that it's you know, it's the same level of quality as um, Bioware games of the past. Yeah, you you meant you hope it's the same level of quality as Andromeda, right? That's what you meant to say. <laughs> nah, nah I, I don't want it because even Inquisition, <laughs> like Inquisition, was it was solid, but I feel like it was kind of taking a steer into this new direction that they're in now. And, um, you know, Inquisition was better than Andromeda, but I don't, if they come out with another Dragon Age, I hope that it's not like Inquisition because I felt like the company direction was changing at that point. So I hope that it's something a lot better than Inquisition. Go ahead, Max. I'm 100% with you on that and all of that. Like, that's exactly it. 
Um, and my, yeah, my biggest worry is that even though Casey is back, like I know at the end of the day, it's EA that makes most of the major calls. So how much power does he really, really have, you know, in terms of like bringing these franchises back to the way they were and that sort of stuff. Cause everyone is going, or not everyone, but a lot of these big companies are going towards the service-based games like Anthem and Destiny and everything like that. And who's to say they're, they won't be, start throwing their biggest IPs in terms of that, in like that situation. Like we know Star Wars, Kodor, one of the greatest single-player RPGs of all time is now a freaking MMO. Who's to say that Dragon Age, the next Dragon Age game won't be like that. Inquisition was kind of like an MMO. Like, like you were just saying, it, they went into a different direction. And that seems to be the way, like Andromeda followed a similar formula to Inquisition. It was weirdly not as fleshed out, not as good, but it was still similar. And Anthem is obviously kind of like an MMO as well. So it's really weird. A lot of the single player part of Bioware is just kind of gone right now. And I do think that most of that is EA's fault. But um, obviously we can't know for sure. But I just really hope that Casey being back will return some of that. But I feel like he's going to have to fight pretty hard if that's even his intention. Good point. Good point. Does anyone else want to chime in their thoughts on this topic? <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So we'll see what happens with Bioware. Um, yeah, I'm glad Casey Hudson is back. I'm not really sure what he is going to be doing in terms of, you know, what he, what project he's going to be making better. Obviously, Anthem at the top of the list now, but we'll see. Um, Did he, he returned as head, right? Like his original position? Yeah, yeah, he, 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 no, he's, he, he's, uh, yeah, the, the GM. So he's going to be overseeing, I think, everything that is in that, that actually happens over the next couple of years. Okay, um, cool. But, you know, we'll see what happens. It's still be determined. So, uh, Let's move on to the next topic. Um, actually, yeah, let's go ahead and let's jump into this right now because I know Dana has a lot to say. Uh, Dana, I believe that you've taken notes on everything that, that took place at San Diego Comic-Con. So feel free to give us a, a rundown and then we can give our thoughts on what we liked and didn't like from San Diego Comic-Con. All right, I have notes, as you stated. All right, so it was a lot of different games and stuff that oh here we go all right first we're gonna start off with marvel versus Capcom. now i'm gonna just say some of the new stuff because we already learned a lot of stuff over at d23 so what we got was a new gameplay trailer that features spider-man frank west and thanos um it showed them fighting it showed some of the infinity the mind stone yellowstone and how that comes into play, I really like that aspect, and I like how the graphics was. It's very colorful. It's a lot of things that hopefully will be make for a great game. Uh, Marvel's Power United VR. They announced that you can play as Deadpool. He has his katanas, his M, his SMGs. Um, he has his toilet plunger, so you can beat people in the head as you plunge some toilets. There was the Marvel Future Fight. That had, oh gosh, I'm going to botch this name. It was Kid Kaju from Monsters Unleashed. And Apocalypse is also going to be in the game. A Marvel Contest of Champions. Spider-Man is very big now. Spider-Man Homecoming had the characters of and Green Goblin. Then there was the Marvel Guardians of the Galaxy, which is the third chapter from the five-chapter series. It's going to have 
Gamora's backstory. It showed Gamora and Nebula fighting on moving platforms. It showed a very hilarious slap fight between Nebula and Star-Lord. And that will be available on August, not August, yep, August 22nd. Then we had Spider-Man for PS4. It's a little more of a backstory. There wasn't any type of gameplay footage that was shown. There was a concept art of Spider-Man fighting um, uh, Manhattan in a subway. And it looked really, really good. They're saying that that's how the game is going to open up. The game is going to be open world. And you're going to see moves from Spider-Man that you've never seen before. Maybe a little bit of some Spidey senses. They still did not talk about Miles Morales, which is the one thing that I really, really want to know. But aside from that, we're going to have some Aunt May backstory. She's actually working for Mr. Negative Alter Ego, Martin Lee, as a volunteer. So that should be interesting. And if anyone watched uh, Homecoming, maybe they're going to do a little, oh my gosh, your nephew is Peter Parker situation. Um, we also have some big news coming out from Call of Duty World War II. Uh, give me a little minute. It's going to be a lot. We have, okay, so the plan for it is going to be a slow horror story they want to create. It's going to be less jump scares and more of like a slow progression where just a lot of tension, it builds up, and you're going to just be scared that way. We're going to get a lot of mystery chests that's going to be full of wonder weapons, and there's going to be tons of Easter eggs. They also announced the characters and who we're going to, who we're going to be seeing playing these wonderful characters. Um, the big name, obviously, is David Tennant, who, as we all know, Doctor Who. He's going to be playing the role of Drostam Heim. Forgive me if I'm butchering these names. I don't speak German. Um, oh, or Scottish, apparently. He is a Scottish antiquities expert, and he was in prison, and they only allowed him to ex be released from prison if he worked for the good guys. Kind of like a little Suicide Squad situation going on there. Um, basically, they're saying that this game is not for kids, solely based on the fact that he curses a lot. So if you're, like, sensitive to the ears and you want to stay pure, do not play this game. Um... Eloy, oh gosh, the, the girl who plays Electra in Daredevil, whose name I cannot pronounce, she's going to be playing Olivia Durant. She's a French resistance fighter and she's an art historian. Uh, basically, her reason for fighting is because her father and her grandfather was kidnapped and captured and then tortured and then killed by the Nazis. So she has a lot of, at stake playing the, the good guy in this role. This is going to be her very first acting job. So she's very excited about that. She says that it allowed for her to have more freedom than, say, playing Electra in Daredevil. Um, and she also swears a lot, just like the David Tenement character, except for everything's in French. So we're going for, like, an international bad language game. Uh, they also announced Ray Vines, who is going to be the fourth playable character at the con but he was there via Skype he had a little video chat and basically he's just saying that he just kills people he kills zombies and that's just his goal is just to kill everything in sight um there was also Catherine Win Winnick who plays the role of Marie F Fisher 
Um, she basically, she was born in Germany. She decided to leave the family business and she's a weapons maker. So for her, she said it was an extremely fun character to play. There's going to be a lot of weapons that you're going to be able to use in the game. So you're going to be able to utilize her character by doing that. And she's very excited for that. The announced that it's going to release on November 3rd. And so far, it seemed like a very good, a good con for them. They didn't really show too much new stuff, but so far it wasn't bad. Um, we also had, um, they announced Mega Man is going to be a movie now, which I don't know how that's going to work out, but it's supposed to be live action. Oh, wow. and It's going to have the directors from Catfish. So that'll probably suck. They also announced new seasons of Batman, Wolf Among Us, and that is pretty much... They said that um, Batman the Enemy Within is going to debut its first chapter on August 5th. Um, they said that The Walking Dead, A New Frontier, is going to arrive in 2018. Um, they talked about The Wolf Among Us and how it's supposed to be gritty and violent, and it's going to be more of a thriller. And that is going to debut in 2018 as well. So that is so far everything, I'm going to say in a high-pitched voice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, first and foremost, very good notes. Very, very, very detailed information. Uh, we're going to talk about the Telltale stuff a little bit later because uh, I think everybody has something to say about that news. But uh, yeah. I'll, I'll just say this. Um, yeah. A lot of gaming stuff, which I thought was interesting. Uh, we, we, you know, I, you mentioned the uh, Marvel versus Capcom stuff, yeah. and you know, I um, I am not really, I don't really care too much about that game because after I saw the Dragon Ball Z game, it was it was a wrap for me. But I will try it out just to see how it is. But uh, yeah, I mean, overall, it's a lot of a lot of gaming stuff. So w- one question I did I did want to ask. And, you know, you don't need to really describe this. I definitely want everybody's opinion. Um, what are your thoughts on the trailers? Let's talk about the good and the bad trailers. We don't need to talk about what happened in the trailers. Cause I think everyone saw the majority of the trailers that came out of San Diego Comic-Con. But in your opinion, I'm, I'm going to ask everybody, what were the trailers you thought were good and what were the ones you thought were, were bad? Oh, can I just really say really quick? They're going to fix Chung Lee's face. Oh, what? In, in uh, what, what, in the Street Fighter Five game? Yes. They're they're fixing her face. They heard Wait, what's... No, in, 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 in Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, yeah, okay. About Capcom. <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with her face? She looked like a baby. <laughs> it's just really weird. You should look up the screenshots, man. It's bad. Oh, I didn't. I did not know this. But that just shows that I'm, I'm not really looking forward to the game because they have to go back now and fix our face. <laughs> yeah, that's it. okay. Well, we'll see about that. But no, the trailers that you liked and didn't did, and disliked. Go ahead. Me? Oh, okay. Um, basically, I really liked everything that came out of Call of Duty. That seemed to be the most kind of exciting. Um, basically, from the the Capcom versus Marvel, I was kind of underwhelmed. I just really didn't care. So those are my two. 
Oh, no, I meant the actual films. Oh, oh the films. The films and shows. Like what now you don't need to describe what happened in the trailers. You know, we can tell people well, you need to see this trailer if you didn't see it. I'm curious to know what you liked and disliked of the trailers that we saw. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, obviously, it's going to be Infinity War. I, I, I urge you to do a lovely search for it. But uh, Thanos throwing a planet, and we're going to see all the different characters come together in their struggles in Captain America, looking like a bearded old wise man. To me, that was the best. Uh, I was looking forward to that the most, obviously, as is everyone else. I actually was more um, taken aback and surprised by some of the like the Gotham trailers that they released. Um, they basically Bruce Wayne is gonna finally be Batman, so I don't know how that's gonna come into play. That show is already it's completely off the rails in the sense of it doesn't make any sense in the canon, it's just all screwed up. But they're finally giving fans what they wanted, which is weird because they complain that we would never see Batman except for the very last season of the final episode. So look like they caved in. So yeah, Thanos is my my top choice. Obviously, and my my least is gonna have to be. Ugh. Let's see. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to just probably go with. Shoot. Um. Gotham. <laughs> Gotham? Yeah, Gotham was just. I mean, they had a really great trailer, but in in the terms of canon, nothing really made any sense, and it was really really confusing. So it just looked like they threw together a bunch of characters with dramatic music. Okay. All right. That sounds good to me. Uh, Charles, how about you let us know what your, what your picks were for the good and bad trailers, if there were any bad ones? Bad is absolutely Gotham. Bottom, 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 bottom of the barrel. Way, way at the bottom. Um, but you have a 40-year-old Ivy. Way, 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 way at the bottom. Like, <laughs> way, way down there. Like, it's the gap between that and whatever comes next is is vast. Very vast. Uh, but uh, at the top, are we counting Infinity War, even though it's not officially out? It's out on, online. Yeah, we count, so, we count in. We, we count, we count in. it. Okay. We count it. The trailer for that was the, the trailer for that was pretty dope, but I've got to say the absolute best trailer that I saw is Stranger Things season two, actually. Uh, that trailer, yes. that's like one of the best trailers I've seen for a thing ever in life. Like the way it was cut, edited, the mix of thriller that they used, it was fantastic. And I mean, it helps that the show is really good. Uh, Netflix has to be having. The, the the largest of parties uh, are realizing that they have one of the best TV shows to come out in a long time. So, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely my favorite for sure, easily. Yeah, I think a lot of people are going to agree with that. Uh, Max, how about you go next? Because I saw you've already started talking. So yeah, your 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 what you liked and what you disliked trailers. <laughs> Um, I, like Charles was saying, the Stranger Things season two trailer is incredible. I remember after them announcing that there would be a season two, 
I was kind of like, uh, okay, I don't know why they're doing that. But um, after seeing that trailer, I'm like, that's that's absolutely incredible. Um, I really liked the Thor 3 trailer. Uh, I think it's uh, a nice direction for them to be going in. And hopefully this will be the first really good Thor movie. Like Thor 2 was decent. It was nowhere near as bad as the first one. But I really liked Thor 3 or the trailer for Thor 3. And I really hope that, that that turns out to be as good as it looks. And then... I saw the Justice League trailer, uh, which I thought was okay. It looked to me like they're trying a little bit too hard to kind of copy Marvel now in terms of like kind of being funny uh, and stuff like that. But we'll have to see. Maybe that'll work out for them. You know, obviously I want that movie to do well, but a lot of their stuff uh, hasn't been the best lately. Yeah, right. It It won't. It'll fail. (laughs) Um, But we'll have to see on that one. Um, other than that, I didn't see too much of the stuff going on. I was um, I was pretty um, busy this weekend, but some of that stuff that, that was some of the stuff I was able to catch, and I was happy to see. I have to catch. I have to play catch up after the show. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna go to Mr. Lugo next because he is back now. We're talking about the trailers that we liked and disliked from San Diego Comic Con. So the floor is there yours. There was a lot of good stuff dropping from Comic-Con, particularly from the Marvel camp. Uh, a lot of the trailers that Marvel was dropping, even though they didn't drop everything, uh, because they didn't show the new Black Panther footage, they didn't show the Avengers Infinity War footage, but from what they did show with Thor Ragnarok, with, um, what is it, the Defenders, you know, things like that, and also the teases for Captain Marvel. I feel like all that stuff was, like, really, really good. And that Thor Ragnarok trailer was very hype. A lot of people were very excited when they saw it on Twitter uh, when it dropped. And that movie can't come fast enough. Even though it's coming out in November, I think a lot of people, after seeing that, they're pretty much ready to go watch it right now. But granted, we're going to have to wait a couple more months. It's going to be very, very cool by the time we get to that point. Because more than likely, not only will we probably get the official drop of the Avengers Infinity Wars teaser, but probably more Black Panther at some point. That was uh, some pretty good stuff. The Justice League trailer that I saw coming from Warner Brothers, I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, It was a good trailer. I think that they still have a long way to go with a lot of their stuff, just overall with their world building and everything going on with their cinematic universe. There's a lot of bad vibes all over the place with different rumors and news that's been dropping, particularly with uh, Ben Affleck as Batman and the whole Batman solo movie. But uh, from the trailer and also the teaser posters, by the way, word up to all the teaser posters from both camps that they were putting out there. The the Thor Ragnarok uh, poster looked pretty awesome. A lot of people were saying that it looked like an album cover for like a metal band. And I thought that was pretty dope. Uh, the same thing also for Black Panther. I thought that was really cool. It was just, again, it, it's those types of like teaser posters that isn't so cluttered. Well, granted, the Thor Ragnarok one was a little bit cluttered. But again, it looks more like an album cover. And it looks a little bit more organized as opposed to what we got with like Spider-Man Homecoming and a couple other different superhero films all over the place. But uh, the one that I saw for Justice League, again, very reminiscent of an Alex Ross painting, very heavily inspired there. Uh, What they did with the logos and the text, I thought was pretty interesting. I thought that was neat. But the trailer itself showed a lot of cool things. Uh, We got our first look, or at least our first glimpse at Steppenwolf. And we're also getting our first hints, or at least a couple hints towards the end about Superman, which I'm glad that they haven't showed Superman just yet. I feel like that's a good tease. Even though we know he's coming back, that's like a given. That's going to be a thing. But I like how they're not kind of, you know, revealing how he looks completely uh, in these teasers. So that way, when we finally see him in the movie, I think it's going to have a lot more emotional weight. I think that they are probably got something really cool planned for him. I don't know if necessarily we're going to get black suit Superman. 
But for whatever it is that they got planning, what they got going on, I'm hoping it's something special. And from all the signs from what we've been seeing, the way they've been handling the marketing and the ta- uh, the trailers, it seems like we're they're setting us up for something pretty cool. So overall, I liked what I saw. Again, Defenders was good. Uh, some of the stuff from The Flash I thought was pretty dope. I saw the teaser trailer drop for that. Uh, I, again, this was a good Comic-Con year, or at least a good year for Comic-Con with a lot of the surprises that we got. And I can't wait to see what else comes out eventually. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, uh, Gary, how about you go next? I believe you are the last one before I go. Yeah, as for uh, what I liked, um, I definitely liked Stranger Things. I'm really looking forward to season two of that. Um, Of course, Thor, that was amazing. I liked that trailer. Um, And um, as someone who's read uh, Ready Player One, I liked that trailer too. Like That that movie looks uh, like it's going to be pretty fun pretty exciting um and i also you know i got to see the leaked infinity war trailer and that looks phenomenal like i i know which characters are going to be in that film and you know i saw the uh the disney d23 when all the actors came out and everything but just seeing that trailer and it was a cam rip as well bear in mind it was a cam rip like just seeing all those characters on screen together for the first time and stuff like I still geeked out like massively like that. I can't wait to see the the full HD version of that trailer. Um, As for what I didn't like. um, Now, let me just say that when a TV show like Breaking Bad has better CGI than the Justice League movie, like that, that's a problem. I think like that, that the CGI in that trailer was horrible. And you know, they've done such a bad job with their character development and everything in their previous movies that I just don't care about any of these characters. And it just seems like a joke. Like, it seems like it doesn't seem real. It seems like a spoof of a movie. Like, I can't take it serious. And I think that's a real problem. And it's a shame because they have great actors in, you know, the DC universe right now, but they're, they're playing horrible versions of DC characters and it's just sad like you know you got people like ben affleck will smith you know um and uh, i can't remember uh what's superman's name i can't Mark remember Kitt, henry cavill yeah yeah. Henry cavill. yeah yeah you got you got great people in these movies it's just like the, it's it's terrible like the, the the development of the characters and everything like they're just trying too hard i feel like you know like they're trying to like max said they're trying too hard to capitalize on what marvel has done and they haven't put in the time and the effort to create a world with depth that we should care about and you know even though wonder woman was a good movie i still don't care like you know because it's just like to me the world is the, the universe that they've made is already broken and i already don't care so I feel like they've done a poor job handling those movies and that trailer didn't get me excited at all. Seems like they were trying too hard to be cool. Flash seems like he's trying to imitate Spider-Man. Like, I just didn't like that trailer at all. So It's funny that you say that because that dude was supposed to be like up for Spider-Man, I remember. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like they just rushed the cinematic universe together to catch up. Well. Exactly. We're getting stories. We're getting cyborg, and no one knows what the heck cyborg is. We're not getting any type of backstory. I'm just seeing, like, you know, a black man wearing armor, and I don't know what's going on. Terribly done job, and the special effects are atrocious. And this also 
remember people, they're still reshooting. Josh Whedon took over because Zack Snyder's daughter committed suicide. So he's busy off with his family. And Josh Whedon took a look at the script, saw the dailies and said, oh no, we have to save this. He's reshooting a majority of that movie. That's how bad it is. It is. So yeah, it's it's a mess. And it's also really quick. And I just say an honor, honorable mention goes to Star Trek Discovery, that trailer. I had a tear in my eye. I was weeping. Very, very good. The only thing is this, is that it's not available on CBS. The show will be available on CBS Access, which is basically like a Netflix. So you have to pay to see that show, which sucks even more. Wait, which show? Uh, Star Trek Discovery. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sasha from that's The Walking Star Dead. Trek yeah. That's a new Star Trek show that's been in limbo for a while. I'm, I'm a little worried about that show. Because of all the behind-the-scenes stuff that's been going on with it. But also, they're borrowing a lot of elements from various other big like name properties that have been coming out as of late. And it's starting to lose its Star Trek identity. And I'm not talking about just the aesthetic and stuff. But like the first thing that you think of when you first see that trailer, or at least the teasers that have been coming out from it, the first thing I think of is Star Wars. Like as far as like the way that Ray looks and stuff. And I don't immediately think of that type of gritty type of uh rundown look at the future when i think of star trek because it, it that's not star trek or at least that's not what i've been accustomed to, to to kind of like you know been introduced to uh since tng and all the other shows all the way up to enterprise at this point it, it's just that's just me and the way that i look at it though and also everything else like the news that's come out about it about a lot of the the, the turmoil with the way that's been shooting and also the plans of how they're going to release that i'm a little bit worried about it it still looked pretty and made me cry. <laughs> cry because you saw that Sasha is still still alive, right? That's that's why she's, she's in a new, yeah she's in a new in a new universe now. Uh, the afterlife is Star Trek. She's somewhere in space. Yeah. So so uh, all, you know a lot of great thoughts so far. So I'm I'm just going to try to keep mine very short. Uh, the trailer I enjoyed the most, uh, I think Stranger Things Season 2 was awesome. I mean, I, that, that trailer, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the Thriller thriller song also. So, yeah, I thought that they did a really good job on that. Uh, in terms of, if I'm talking about Marvel and stuff, yeah, Infinity War is, 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 is fantastic. You know, the little footage that has leaked out there, I don't know why Marvel doesn't just release the footage now that it has leaked out there. It's leaked there. out right now, son. There, There's links now on Twitter right now for the Infinity War show from D23. I just saw this, and oh my God, that is hype as fuck. I'll tell you right yeah. now. See? Hype it's, as fuck. So, so Marvel... The D23 footage, I put it in the chat for you guys now to see the full thing, like I was here on the podcast, but everybody in the chat now, it's if you haven't seen trailer. it, yeah, from D23, from, is it the same one yeah, they showed at Comic-Con? Yes, okay, so yeah, trailer. that trailer, I'll tell you right now, I mean, you could only see it at an angle because of the way that it was shot and captured and leaked out, but it looks hype as fuck right now. Like, people were not lying how cool that is. Like, I can only imagine how everybody Planet. felt in the room when they saw that. He throws a planet. <laughs> like, that's that's crazy. That is going to be really... I'm surprised they didn't drop it, though. I mean, if it's the same footage, I'm surprised they didn't want to drop it, uh, what is it, online for everybody. Maybe, again, they're probably going to polish up the trailer a little bit or polish up, get more footage for an official trailer, which I think we'll probably get with Thor later on in November. Well, but even so, well, yeah. that looks fucking cool. I'll tell you right now. Well, remember, 
remember, no, nothing leaked from D23 until now. So that I don't think they yeah. were planning on releasing it until later. But the fact that there was so much leakage now, remember last year, because of the leak, they blamed Hydra and just released the whole thing. So I think by Monday, we're going to easily get hey, something. Nah, I, I don't think so. Because, yeah, you know, it's also is the same thing you could think of, you could apply that same logic to the Black Panther footage that they showed at Comic Con now. Uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see. Yeah, but uh, I think uh, yeah, Infinity War trailer fantastic. Um, if I have to say the thing that I that I was the least impressed with, uh, I, I hate to be controversial, but uh, I need to see more from Justice League because the one issue that I and I said this on Twitter yesterday. You know, when you look at and obviously you shouldn't make the comparison between Avengers and this because the Avengers, they actually built this thing up over all of the movies. They had the single movies, so on and so forth. So, but that character development and the time it takes to develop all, you know, everything that's going on is, is something that is, is fantastic in and of itself. So obviously when I saw the uh, Justice League trailer, yeah, it's a lot of action. You know, I don't really know too much about what's going on with the actual, in actual trailer itself. Um, and I know they had a little bit of humor in there with the Flash character, which I was kind of like, well, I don't, I don't really care about that. But uh, I just need to see more to be convinced. But obviously, I'm not saying the movie's going to be trash. I'm just going to say we need to see more and we need to get some more context as to why I should care about these other characters when there is no backstory on any any of them. So, you know, so but we'll see. We'll see. But uh, and, any- and one thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, one thing just Black Lightning, CW is creating Black Lightning and first black superhero on television. Yay! <laughs> also, yeah, Static think- Shock is coming to that as well. Static, there's talk about Static Shock coming into the CW universe from that show and making awesome. its way to like Arrow and Flash and stuff. Yes. That's so, awesome. Yay for that. And when he's 40 years old, he's not, you know, crime fighting anymore. He's he's a local crime fighter. So he's going to be based in Chicago and, you know, he's saving lives there. And then he later gets into, he gets back into being a superhero because his daughter gets kidnapped. So it's going to be very interesting. We're not going to get a back, it's not an origin story. They're going to just basically dump us right into the Black Lightning whole canon right there so in fact black superhero waiting for that miles you know spinoff would be nice somewhere <laughs> yeah. hey well it, it, it could definitely happen you know we'll see but yeah i'm glad to hear about that i did see a little bit of that they had an interview with the cast the other day that i did see uh so i'm looking forward to that yeah i mean it's a lot of great stuff that's uh in the works some of it's coming very soon and then some of it's coming within the next year so a lot to get excited over but uh We'll see. Uh, so, any final thoughts on San, San Diego Comic Con before we move on to the next topic? I have a quick, quick question um, that maybe Dana or Charles can answer. So, in in uh, the TV show Gotham, right? So, when by the time Batman gets his suit and you know he becomes Batman, are, are all of the villains going to be in a retirement home because you know <laughs> they they introduced these characters into the show when when he was a little boy? So. You know the timeline is a little weird. <laughs> How it, it? I don't think they they take time into consideration since that Ivy just jumped from age ten to like age thirty. 
So I think they're basically going to have him be Batman now and just face everyone who's probably in their 30s. So uh, probably a, a 17-year-old Batman facing a bunch of 30-year-old villains. Interesting. Did you yeah, did you include so did you include me in a question about Gotham? Did you say my name? Oh, I, I thought you watched that. Yeah, that's definitely a hell no. A hell no. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, Gotham has issues. Oh, you know, as I said before, you know, there are some fans, I guess, that love the show. So, you know, I, I need to meet those fans because I, I, haven't, I haven't met any of them that, that actually enjoy the show. So I need to meet some of those people. But uh, it's still not bad. Not bad. Uh, well, no, no, you're right. It's not bad. It's it's horrible. So that, that's probably what it is. Wow. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, okay, we got two other quick topics to get into. Uh, this one is going to probably be really quick, but the other ones will take up the most time. Of course, we now know about the June NPDs that came out, and of course, you know, I'm just going to talk about the top ten. There was a list of the top twenty, but really, all that matters is the ten games that were mentioned. So let's go ahead and let's start. Of course, uh, we know number 10 was Horizon Zero Dawn. Surprising, right? Yeah, interesting. Uh, Number nine was NBA 2K17. Number eight was Overwatch. Uh, Number seven, Mario Kart 8. Number six, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number five was ARMS. Number four was Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. So that's very good. Uh, Number three... Surprise, surprise, Grand Theft Auto V. Number two, Injustice 2, and number one, Tekken 7. The, you know, so this this is the sales for June. So did you guys have any thoughts on what did chart? Uh, before we jump into that, um, <clears throat> hey, uh, Gary, could you uh, – I, I had to throw my VR headset on because I'm trying to find that world that you uh, apparently um, found that has me watching Gotham. Uh, could you give me some <laughs> – Towards that place, sir. <laughs> well, I, I thought I saw you talking about it on Twitter before, and stuff. Um, you, you clearly must have been playing, playing some uh, free VR game. Uh, you got things mixed up a little bit there, buddy. Wait, that that's not an iPhone. Like, what are you doing? You ain't got an iPhone. No, because I'm, I'm a smart consumer, sir. Oh man, <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, there you go. That's the answer to the question. So, yeah, any thoughts on the June MPDs? Oh, you want me to go first? or? Yeah, you, you can go first. If you have any thoughts. Yeah. I think it's great that um, fighting games are, like, the, t- the top two games because I feel like fighting games have been underrepresented for a long time. So it's it's good to see them you know, rise back to popularity on that level to where we have two fighting games at number one and number two. And we have more fighting games coming out soon as well. So that I think that's a great thing. Um, and always good to see Overwatch on there, of course. You know, I like that. Um, good to see Crash. And I know that Activision actually made a statement when this list was released they made a statement to say that um, Crash was actually the best-selling game globally. So, you know, maybe not just in the US, but, like, globally, it was, like, the best-selling game, apparently, according to them. Um, and I could believe that because 
in the UK, like when that game came out, the the Crash Remaster, everybody bought it. Like I saw people posting the game on Instagram who like I didn't even knew pl- pl- play games anymore. Like, but like people who it, I think it was nostalgia. Like the nostalgia just took people by storm, and everybody just went out to buy that game for some reason. And uh, probably a lot of them didn't complete it, but you know, um, I think that's that's definitely plausible that it was. Uh, top selling game globally um and yeah i mean the rest of the the list is like the usual suspects i mean it's good to see arms you know it's good to see that a lot of people are supporting switch games i think that um that's positive very positive for the future of the switch i think and it shows that you know people are getting switches and they are buying games for the switch i mean we have mario kart in there too so um, that's that's quite a big deal, I think. But everything else looks kind of standard, I think. Um, so yeah, not too much more to, to touch on from me. Sounds awesome, uh, Max. You have any thoughts? I'm pretty much in the same boat. None of this is too too surprising. It is really cool to see uh, some Switch games up there, though. Like five, six, and seven are all Switch games, which is awesome. And we know that's only going to grow as like Mario Odyssey and Mario Rabbits and stuff come out. Um, I, I do think it's kind of funny that not everyone has Grand Theft Auto by now. It's kind of like how Counter-Strike is always at the top of the Steam sales too. Like somehow not everyone has it by now. But um, no, it's it's a good list. You know, none of those games are bad to me. Like I enjoy all of those games. So yeah, it's a fine list. Not much to say for me either. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll go ahead next real quick. Uh, yeah, the list looks good to me. Very glad to see uh, Tekken and Injustice both on the list. Um, Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, Rockstar has done a great job supporting GTA Online, so I'm not surprised it's on the list. I am surprised it's this high on the list, but uh, that's a testament to show just how many people are still into this game. And I am also glad the crash did chart that high. Hopefully this means we'll get more titles in the future. Um, but yeah, that's all I have to say about it. As for the Nintendo titles, uh, ARMS, you know, I'm not really a fan of ARMS, but glad to see that there are some people out there that, that did pick up the game. And Legend of Zelda, glad to see that that's still on there also. But uh, yeah, that's that's it for my thoughts. Uh, Mr. Lugo, do you have any thoughts? Uh, it's just cool to see that uh, a game like Crash is going to top the charts like that. It's a lot of it, that tells you something about uh, a number of different things. It means that either one people really like Crash Bandicoot or just like that style of Crash Bandicoot, and that could lead to other things if not a new game. Hopefully, Vicarious Visions actually gets the chance now to create their own original Crash that's again somewhat loosely based, if not uh, modeled after the the Insane trilogy. But also, a lot of people want the Spiral Collection. They want a Spiral HD collection or, or revisiting of the Spiral trilogy, which could be within the realm of possibility. I'm pretty sure that there's probably conversations going on now at Activision or PlayStation, or at least between the two, about something like that. Uh, as far as Tekken Seven and Justice Two, yeah, that, that's cool. Again, those are those are great games. I when I reviewed them, I said that they were phenomenal. I said that they offered a lot, especially you know being quality fighting games that present a lot of stuff besides the competitive aspect to it. Again, it goes to show you that people when they buy fighting games, not just the competitive guys that go to Evo and stuff, but they like a lot of value with their game. They like a lot of stuff outside of that, you know, between story mode and other things that they could get lost in with them. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. Uh, you have any thoughts, Data? 
Well, it's great to see people out there getting a switch and able to afford the switch, and it's not six hundred dollars anymore. So that's a that's a plus. Also, um, like you guys said, a lot of the 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 back the Crash Bandicoot that's nostalgia. That's a good game, but it's a lot of nostalgia games that's coming out next. Basically, why it's on the list for so high, shockingly, and it's good to see people still playing Tekken Seven. So I'm pretty pleased, not overall surprised. Sounds good. And Mr. Singletary, you have any thoughts? <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't have too much insight into that list. It sounds pretty good, but uh, I echo what Dana said that I'm happy that people are playing Tekken. Um, I'm excited. I, I I love that franchise. I think it's awesome that they're adding uh, geese to it, and it makes me really interested to see what they're going to do with that franchise going forward. Um, I know everybody wants. Or not everybody. I know I want Tekken Cross Street Fighter, but with them adding Geese from um, uh, King of Fighters and what Fatal Fury, I think he was originally in. Um, I'd love to see a large Tekken versus the world kind of game come out in the future. But yeah, that's that's all that I have to say. Awesome, awesome. Sounds good. Yes. So, uh, yeah. We now going to jump to our final topic for today, and this is obviously a discussion that um, there's a lot to really say. I'm pretty sure we all have something to say about this, but obviously, to me, one of the biggest news stories last week had to do with Telltale Games because they had a couple of situations where people have been asking them for uh, a lot of games. You know, in particular, they asked them about Wolf Among Us. Where is the season two of that? And Telltale kept saying. Well, there wasn't really anything to say about that. But uh, obviously, we got a huge announcement last week that uh, we are, first and foremost, we are getting another season of Batman, and that actually is coming on August 8th. So in a few short weeks, there will be a second season of Batman start, you know, starting, which is interesting because that just came out of nowhere and it's coming real fast. We also got the announcement that The Wolf Among Us Season 2 does exist. It is in development. It is coming sometime in 2018. And then, of course, we got this announcement, which I was very surprised, which is The Walking Dead, the final season, which is also coming in 2018. So, you know, initially with all these announcements, because it all happened at once, you know, in, in you know, in pretty much the, the way they made the announcement was that this was their summer games update for San Diego Comic-Con, in which they basically talked about a lot. Because I know when I went to E3, Telltale didn't have anything to show at that particular E3 this, this, you know, back in June. So this is why that is. But essentially, we have all these projects coming. So one thing that I know that I said when I found out that The Walking Dead, this is the final season. Well, I am glad that it is the final season, but I definitely would ask the question of, so what does Telltale have next? Are they going to initially just continue to focus on all of these different projects they have, or is there going to be one specific project that they are known for? Because if you know Telltale, you know the Walking Dead series, this is what, you know, caused them to grow in popularity the most of everything that they have released. So definitely wanted to pose that question on initially, ask you all, what did you think about the announcements? And do you think that they will have something else that is going to replace the Walking Dead? Or do you think that they're just going to focus on having multiple projects like they have right now. So uh, first person I'm going to pose this question to is uh, Max. What, what are your thoughts? 
Uh, I could totally see them keeping multiple projects going just because that's what they've established for a while now. And they seem to even right now be in the middle of quite a few projects, you know? Um, It's kind of a shame that The Walking Dead is coming to an end. It's really weird to think about, you know? That's just not something I've really considered happening for a long time because of how successful it is. I think it's probably good though, because I'm sure they're probably running out of ideas or something like that. Or maybe they just thought of like this really incredible conclusion. And that's not to say there won't be any walking dead spinoffs or anything like that. Kind of like how they did with the Michonne stuff, but it's cool that this overall arc is coming to an end. Um, I do think that from what I've played of it, the tales from the borderlands could be their main franchise. If, if they uh, are able to keep up that quality of writing and everything like that, especially because the Borderlands IP is already huge in and of itself. Not that anything Telltale does isn't huge already. Like even Wolf Among Us, like I, I know not a lot of people knew about that before. Like the, I think it's the Fable comic series, right? That it's from or something like that. Um, not a lot of people knew about that beforehand, but since Telltale made such a great game, that got huge. So I could see that being another one of their leading ones. And I know Batman is big as well, of course. Um, I feel like not much is going to change overall, though. I just hope that they upgrade their damn engine. That's my only thing. <laughs> I agree. I agree with that 100% because I know I said on this show multiple times, you know, I've played a couple of games on PlayStation 4, most recently the Guardians game, and you know, that game crashed so many times. I'm like, what? what is going on? But uh, I don't know. I don't know. That's good. Very good points. Okay, uh, Mr. Lugo, do you have any thoughts on this particular topic? Uh, it could mean a number of different things, to be honest with you. I mean, it's good to see some finality to The Walking Dead. I feel like maybe it's been going on for a little bit too long. But also, this kind of like lines up a little bit of the load on Telltale Games. The common complaint everybody has said and been to death is that they take on a lot of stuff. And usually, most of their uh, games that come out, even though they're good for most people, some of them just come out, come out and end up being meh, at least for some of the seasons. And it'd be nice maybe if they downsize some of their releases, you know, throughout each year just by a little bit and then really up the quality for the ones that they did. I mean, now we're getting at least we're getting confirmed that we're getting Batman season two, which is Batman the Enemy Within. We're getting uh, the Wolf Among Us season two, which a lot of people seem to really like the Wolf Among Us. Uh, I don't remember it being that hyped for a lot of people, but there seems to be like a big following for it. So people were excited. And, and the ending of The Walking Dead. But that all, don't, also, don't forget, we also have stuff for the Guardians of the Galaxy, because that's not done yet. Uh, Game of Thrones, more than likely, because I don't think that's done at, by a long shot. The same thing with the Minecraft story mode. I don't think that's done at all either. Uh, and there's been talk in a variety of different places that people have like you know mentioned offhand of different properties that Telltale can do, or at least... Some people want them to do nothing confirmed, obviously. Some people have thrown names around like Invincible or, or Superman games since the Batman did so well with a lot of people. It'd be interesting for them to take on another DC property like that, especially something so different than how Bat than how Superman has been handled in previous video game iterations. So there's there's a lot of good possibilities for this, you know, a lot of positive stuff for it. But uh, I don't think it's anything bad that they're they're kind of like, you know, ending something like The Walking Dead or maybe they have something else uh, down the pipeline. I don't know. But uh, it, a lot of good could come from it is how I feel. Very good points. Yeah. Yeah. That, well, definitely a lot of good could come. We'll, we'll have to see what initially their whole plan is. Uh, Mr. Singletary, how about you go next? 
Word. All right. So on The Walking Dead, I'm a huge, huge fan of Telltale's Walking Dead. I love the first season. The first season is like in my top, I think I put it in top 25, top 25 games of all time. Um, season two was okay. Season three so far, I'm, I'm on the fourth episode. It's really, really good. And I'm not sad that it is happening, um, that it's ending on the next season. Because uh, I, I was really curious, even during the second season, I'm like, where is this going to go? Like, how far are we going to get with this? Um, I've The the end of the third season has kind of already been spoiled for me a little bit just via trailers. So I know that we get to see someone grow up a bit, and I'm very excited to see that. So um, this this last season, I'm very excited for it. And should it, am I going to talk about, should I talk about all of the Telltale stuff or just Walking Dead for now? Oh, no, you, you can talk about, you know, your thoughts on everything that they announced. Okay. Um, I got a middle finger for him on that Batman Telltale game because it still doesn't work on my computer. When um, every point that I get, like, in the very first episode, uh, it freezes at the same point every single time, and it has yet to be, uh, to be fixed. So I want to play it, but... You know, I can't. <laughs> Eventually, we'll fix that problem. Um, Wolf Among Us is wonderful for the people that have not played that because it's it's very easy for that to have fallen by the wayside with all these other popular games because you have Walking Dead, a, a recognized name. You have um, a Borderlands. You have Game of Thrones and all this other stuff. It's very easy for you to, to have missed Wolf Among Us, which is based on the Fable series of comics. If you have not played it, Please play it. It is wonderful. The ending of that game, it's very different from what you would expect from these games. It's not a really action intense. It's very, uh, the dialogue is very deep and interesting. And I love how it uh, rounded off their season. So I'm very glad they're getting a second one. I hope we get a third and a fourth for that because there's a lot that they can do with that world. You know, so uh, what else? Was that it? I think that's it. Yeah, I think, yeah, they're, those are the three that they announced, but I don't know if, you okay, know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I haven't even played Guardians of the Galaxy yet, um, so I have to try that uh, sometime soon. Yeah, Gu- Guardians is pretty good. Uh, second episode was a backstory for another character. I'm not going to spoil nothing, but yeah, it's good. But that Batman situation on PC, that that's horrible news, you know, that, that uh, that's a problem. Uh, so we'll see if Telltale addresses... Should have released a patch or something to fix that, but that's just crazy. Uh, so, Dana, what are your thoughts? Well, I don't play on PC, so I'm rather pleased with my Batman. But um, I want to say that um, I'm looking forward to The Walking Dead, the final chapter, because in the third one, they kind of went off in a different direction. I miss McClementine, and I'm happy she's coming back. So that is something that I'm looking forward to. The Wolf Among Us, I know, very big. Um, several people I know like was completely lost their minds over that. So I like the fact that everything is going to be a nice new fresh storyline. And but you're still going to get, um, you know, the characters that you love. So I'm good for that one. I'm really happy about that. I again don't have any problems with Batman, so I'm very much looking forward to that one. So overall, I think it's going to be a very good situation. Just you know, scale things down. Don't rush anything. And I think we're going to continue to get the good games. Don't take on so many projects. Just focus on what you have and just keep wrapping up everything that you have. And I don't have any complaints. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, Gary. 
Uh, you and I have finished uh, Walking Dead Season 3. We're obviously not going to spoil it because, you know, I know Charles and some of the others in here didn't finish it yet. But, uh, yeah, so what, what are your thoughts on all this other stuff that we we talked about regarding The Walking Dead and the other games? Uh, yeah, so before I get to Walking Dead, I'm very happy that they're bringing back Wolf Among Us. You know, it's, it's definitely been one of the ones we've been asking for, you know, since the first season. Um, and you know that the, the first season actually got me reading the fable comics and stuff so yeah very excited that um we're gonna get another one of those and i hope that it does maintain the the same level of story writing as as the first season did um and batman i'm surprised that batman is coming so soon because like the announcement came out of nowhere so like yeah, I, i'm quite shocked at that because usually you know we would know way ahead of time that it's coming out in august but like it's literally like a few weeks before august now and yeah um so that that took me off guard completely i'm gonna have to free up some time to make sure that i play that game now um but yeah looking forward to that because you know the end of uh i I know i can't spoil anything and i won't but yeah end of season one was very interesting so um looking forward to see what's gonna happen in in the in season two of batman um and as for walking dead uh so yeah season three was excellent i didn't like season two walking dead much you know obviously the first one was a classic second one was kind of mere to me um the third season was excellent like i loved it like it was definitely like it was exciting all the way through um the character development was very compelling and everything so yeah big fan of season three um season four and the final season um i i don't know how i feel about it being the final season i mean i guess you know there's only so long it can continue so in a way i am kind of happy that you know they're they're ending it because if you look at the walking dead tv show it's kind of dragging on and it's like the same scenario over and over again repeated so you know i guess at some point you're gonna hit a brick wall so if that's you know if it's because of creative reasons while they're kind of um you know s- stopping the series then that's fine i completely understand that but um i feel like you know walking dead was kind of like their their flagship ip it was the one that they was known for so for them to make that bold decision to be like hey this this next season of the walking dead is the final you know season i feel like they have another ip that they want to focus on and make their flagship IP. And um, I'm actually going to, you know, you know, I like to speculate. I like to, you know, I, I come up with theories a lot. Um, I'm going to make the bold statement that, and say that I think they may have Star Wars coming. So I feel like that's going to, you know, be their number one kind of baby IP moving forward once, um, you know, The Walking Dead is over. Um, so yeah, that that's my theory personally. But I mean, you know, I could be wrong. Could be completely wrong. They also have a lot of other IPs to juggle, of course, as JJ was saying earlier. You know, they have quite a lot to to juggle, and I hope that the studio is actually kind of growing and they're employing more people because they do have quite a lot at the moment. They have Minecraft. They have Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it, they already announced that they were having. Um, more marvel shows i think more marvel games i mean so yeah um they have quite a lot on their plate already so 
um, yeah, I hope that they do have the the level of stuff needed to attend to all of these different IPs and you know um, maintain the level of quality that they have so far. And they definitely need to fix all those bugs with the the engine and everything. And you know, I'm sad to hear about the problems that Charles had, and um, I'm willing to actually help look for a fix if possible because that sounds like really bad, like you know, not being able to play the game and stuff. But yeah, I hope that they're able to fix things like that moving forward because you know there there has been a lot of wear and tear on their engines and stuff. But um, yeah, all in all, looking forward to everything that that they've got going. That you've got cooking in the future. Um, I still need to play Borderlands as well. That's another one um, that I still need to play. Um, Game of Thrones, I wasn't thrilled about, but that's also another one that they have. So, yeah, they have quite a lot going on, um, and I'm looking forward to see seeing how everything progresses with them. Absolutely, absolutely looking forward to to seeing how it all turns out. There, there is more that I would say on Walking Dead that I, I really, I can't, I can't spoil it. So maybe we will talk about it off camera because I, I don't want to spoil it for everybody else. But I do have a, a very specific question I wanted to ask about the final season. I will have to ask that question in the future on the show because I it can't get into that discussion without spoiling some stuff that happens in season three. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll talk off air. Yeah, we'll see. But um. I believe that that pretty much concludes our show for this week. Um, if you guys have any final shout outs that you would like to give, please feel free to do so now. Plugs as well. Uh, and Charles, I'll have you go first. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, the underscore CSJR. And of course, follow the uh, Coins and Continue podcast. Coins, the number two, continue. Um, I'll probably be crashing more of these uh regularly you know you never know when i'm gonna come running down the ramp and uh rko gary so you know follow me i I love i love to interact um on twitter i'm on there probably too much like i have two screens and i'm totally looking at twitter on this other screen right now so yeah peace (laughs) sounds good (laughs) dana any any final words or shout outs um uh, basically, shout out to everyone who's listening and for the support and follow the site, you know, thecoalition.com for more stuff. And it's going to be a fun and exciting weekend. Shout out to Battleground. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to, to, to sit through uh, that train wreck later tonight. But please feel free to watch our WrestleCast discussion we had last night. But, uh, that's going to be very painful to watch tonight, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, Mr. Lugo, you have any final words or shout-outs? Uh, yeah, just thank you to everybody that's been watching, everybody that's been leaving comments in the chat, as well as everybody that's been leaving comments on all the articles, the reviews, the posts, the videos that we put up. Thank you. We appreciate it. Shout-outs to the Patreon subscribers as well, uh, all the patrons out there that support us on Patreon. Thank you. We appreciate it as well. Uh, be on the lookout for more new content. We have some interesting stuff in the works, not only throughout this week, but even for down the line. I have my review of Pyre going up tomorrow on PlayStation 4, and I'll be able to talk about that more at some point, probably also on the next co-op podcast, as well as a bunch of other stuff that's in the works. So thank you very much, guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Mr. Max Muller, any final shout-outs from you? Uh, yeah, as always, thanks everyone in the chat 
for participating and being a part of the show. The chat wasn't loading for me for most of the show, so that's why I wasn't a part of it, uh, unlike usual. It was really, really weird. I just decided to refresh the page, and it was all there. So that happened. But um, I'd also like to thank Andrew Benison for coming on and telling us all that insight about the indie game industry. That was really, really cool to hear. A lot of it was very surprising. I wasn't aware of a lot of the stuff he was talking about, especially in terms of like the YouTube kind of conversions and stuff like that. That's so fascinating to me. And like all the sort of IP issues they have to go through every time they're making a game. I I found that stuff very, very interesting. Um, As always, thanks everyone for checking out the site and we'll have more content for you soon as usual. So see y'all. Absolutely. And, uh, I'm just going to piggyback off of what Max said. Also, thank Andrew for being on the show. Definitely learned a lot of information today. Um, And, you know, we will definitely keep a lookout for his game. Uh, For those of you who want more information, we'll have more information on the site about the game soon, just so that you know it's it's forthcoming. Um, And I would like to give a shout-out to all the fans that continue to support us. Whether you're watching the show live or you watch it later, we do appreciate all of the feedback and uh, the continued support, as well as the Patreon subscribers. And uh, I did want to leave a little quick reminder. You know, we are doing a giveaway for the August game that actually ends tomorrow. So if you have not voted yet, you definitely need to make sure you vote because you're running out of time. Uh, but uh, we will announce the winner for that giveaway next week on the co-op. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Gary, the floor is yours. Yep, so of course I'm going to shout out all of our wonderful Patreon supporters. That's M. Collins, Sean Gority, Stephen Ferron, Mauricio Aguilar, Himdil, Fergus Mills, Lalawin Leslie, Nicholas Alvarez, and Miguel. Shouts to all you guys and thanks for all of your support. Definitely look out for the giveaway once it goes live and everything. And, you know, obviously... Our Patreon supporters, they have a higher chance of winning all of our giveaways thanks to their their financial support and everything. Um, And shouts to everyone who joined us today in the chat as well. Um, We appreciate you guys, you know, discussing everything with us. And of course, shouts to Andrew for coming on and sharing his insight on um, indie games development. Um, I especially enjoyed the fact that, you know, he was from the UK as well because I love, um, you know, hearing more... um, people in the uk industry as well because it doesn't really get um you you don't really get a lot of you don't get to see a lot of uk you know industry games industry stuff happen a lot and you don't get to hear from a lot of people who are on the inside you know in um development and everything so always good to hear another voice from the uk industry um and yeah that's pretty much it um shouts to charles for jumping in um, you know, anytime he hits me with the RKO, I'm going to counter that with a Stone Cold Stunner. So uh, watch out for that in the future. And yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Yeah. Stone Cold Stunner is accusing me of watching Gotham. <laughs> dirty yeah. move, bro. It's yeah, real dirty. That's pretty bad. Never talked about it on Twitter before. Uh, I talked about how garbage it was when season one was out, but I haven't talked about it since, I don't think. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I probably just saw yeah, you man. saying it was garbage. Probably. It's all good. Well, yes. Once again, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for being here. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>